Hello and welcome to another episode of Monster Dear Monster. I'm one of your hosts, Dave, and I am joined by we're all we're all here today. All of us. Leonard is here. Cameron, you've heard him. He's here. Yeah. (laughs) Joyous occasion. It's been it's been a few episodes, I think, since we've all been back on. It's been it's been a bit. (laughs) Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, Cameron, how have you been? Uh, pretty good. I fought a cockroach for ten dollars on the sidewalk today. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully you won that fight. A good time. Yes, I did, which is good because it effectively means I didn't pay anything for lunch. However, I had to fight a cockroach. So <laughs> that was your that was your payment. Arguably, well, uh, uh, arguably worse. Yeah. Exactly. I, I went down. I picked up ten dollars off the ground, and in my head, I heard that your vision slowly shattered. Yeah, it was it was awful. It was the worst experience I've had on a Saturday on the sidewalk, which is very specific. But no, I had to do some thinking there. <laughs> I, I I like to imagine that um, when you picked up the ten dollars, uh, the cockroach stood on its its hind <laughs> legs, and then uh, much like General Grievous, pulled out all of his trophy lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> uh it was it was a little worse than that i I picked up the ten dollars i stood up and it jumped off a telephone pole at eye level at me uh yeah it was not great that was mine (laughs) i had my eyes on that and 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 then you shot it in the heart with the blaster and said how barbaric well actually i ran away uh about 30 days down the road (laughs) i just really wanted that money it really did. Uh, it's it's been an interesting day. Uh, but Lennon, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm really looking forward to that uh, Plague's Tale sequel where you mm. summon cockroaches to defeat <laughs> an evil pope. Um, oh man! If that, they can just miniaturize that rat technology, <laughs> that, that, make them slightly smaller. Yep, that's the sequel that I'm looking for. Just like that actually be pretty good. I'm into that. <laughs> Rival music teacher just like swarm them with roaches. Aha! <laughs> yeah, that, that's, class that's ar- arguably worse than rats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely worse. <laughs> oh, God. And Dave, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, doing pretty good. I can't, can't complain. There's no, no mm. battling with roaches recently. Good. <laughs> recently mice we have mm. we've had a few mice here that we've, okay. had, to, we've had to yeah, deal that's with right. so that's mm. it's somewhere between no it's above i think it's above rats i'd rather have mice than rats oh okay. yeah absolutely also <laughs> also cameron you should have just run by the house with the roof toads and they would have yes the, yes they the... would have fought the cockroach for me that's yes. correct <laughs> <laughs> My country is a den of horrors. <laughs> it's really nice. You should come visit everyone, please. I know. I'm just like, <laughs> just like, and I'm stepping off the plane. Oh, that's a blue ringed octopus. I'm dead, Cameron. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for the oh, trip. Oh, God. Oh, no. Don't remind me of that tourist video. Oh. 
just is uh, it was like a 20 second clip on twitter like six months ago where a guy just picked up an octopus like it's so pretty it's got all these blue rings and just put it down and he lived which was the terrifying part the the the, the octopus knew this one Mm. is it's too stupid it's too this one one is too foolish it's not a worthy opponent yep Oh god. Yeah, no, definitely please visit Australia. Just be careful where you put your hands and don't touch wild animals. <laughs> Apparently don't pick up ten dollars either. Um but <laughs> a lot of a lot of things to keep in mind. Um, uh, also also Bethesda, if you're you're listening, just set the next fallout in Australia. It'll be amazing. Yes. Actually, actually. Yeah, yeah, no, that'll be good. I'm into that as well. <laughs> I want, I want, I want, I want anthropomorphic uh, blue ringed octopi to just throw plate sized spiders at you as soon as you walk out of the vault. See, I feel that's more like a crisis reboot, but I'm into that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, anyway, Dave, what are we doing tonight besides talking about how awful know. my life is in this country? <laughs> We don't know anymore. Uh, no, we are continuing our look into Carmilla with the Constein mm-hmm. trilogy um, by Hammer Films. Eventually, excellent. We have we have to do we have to do prior to that. Mm. Mm. Some kind what? of yokai of the week. Bum, 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 bum. Oh, good because I forgot what the actual tune was. <laughs> <laughs> someday someday um, that will it will reappear yeah. in digital oh, yeah. no, no, no. we, we got a chip tune somewhere in the vaults <clears throat> i've got it somewhere i'm just yeah. <laughs> it takes, it um, takes all kinds of effort not to search for it yeah exactly uh oh the it, you guys police? did okay police yeah you okay though leonard that was, yeah, that was yours yes. i think yes <laughs> Yes, um, I live in I live in uh, Los Angeles for uh, for the viewers that viewers the viewers the the yeah. sing with your ear people um, yeah. for the listeners. Um, so much like the opening of Demolition Man, uh, they're just uh, police activity all all the time, all day, every day. Okay, yeah, oh. that seems fair. Yeah, speaking of rats, wait, no. uh anyway uh hungry okay the week is if you're not if you're new to the show welcome to this awful mess we we take part in uh okay the week is a period in the show in which i thought i've messed this up so badly it's a period in the show in which we uh randomly generate some numbers pick a big random yokai out of a big old list on wikipedia and talk about it uh and this week we're talking about the letter y uh, for why, 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 <laughs> just why? <laughs> oh, I'm so tired. Context: I, I I did a lot of work for the last two weeks, and this is my first day off. It's been real. Um, so yes, uh, we're doing the letter Y. Uh, we're going to randomly generate a number in the ancient tradition. Now, Dave, roll them. That's a three. Oh, okay. Nice and simple. That I can work with. <laughs> One, two, three. Yama Gigi. The uh, uh, old man with one eye and one leg. 
Okay. No, no, that's definitely a monster. Okay. Yeah. Good. <laughs> it, in ancient times, that was a monster. Wow. Let me, yeah, but like. <laughs> the second picture here on this thing yeah. is. Yeah. He's fashionable. looking a sad there. He's, <laughs> he's just come from the catwalk. That is, that is, that is a, oh, no. a Louis Vuitton, See, if I've ever seen one. I, I'm I'm now taking fast issue with this monster. Uh, for those who don't know, it's drawn basically as a one-legged cyclops. Uh, but for instead of a nose, it just has two little holes. And now I'm just seeing those as the eyes. And the no. eye is some kind of forehead <laughs> decoration. <laughs> yeah, and then in that picture, there's there's clearly two feet going on. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's got Something's, two of those big blocky sandals. Of, well, maybe one of them is a false one. Oh, yeah, true. It's I, a false I, one. I, I want to imagine that it's that that it's the before picture. Yeah, <laughs> something yeah. happened because yeah. because he has both of his arms and both of his legs. Yeah, and potentially yeah. both oh, of his boy. eyes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's interesting. So, um, and he's wearing a Yamachi. smoking jacket. Yeah, because of course he is. And carrying a length of bamboo, I'm going to say. In it's a his cane. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. He is old. Um, so the Yamajiji, it is said to be a yokai that takes on the appearance of a man with one eye and one leg. Uh, according to the early modern Tosa yokai documentation, with the Kochi prefecture being the first, uh, it was passed down in Shikoku, and with a height of about three to four shaku, which is between 90 and 120 centimeters, and there was gray hair growing all over its body. Uh, although it has two eyes, since one of them is large and the other is unusually small, it is seen as having just one eye. <laughs> this is, okay. These pictures are all wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, these are, these are very... Um, <laughs> mm. My suspicion that... <laughs> of disbelief has been shattered. It's been ruined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, this is a... Uh, hmm. It is said that the legend where it has one eye is a misunderstanding of these two eyes that were seen as one eye then passed down. Oh, wow, okay. Since it has hardness, could easily crush the bones of wild boar or a monkey, hunters would tame this Yamajiji with bait and use it to drive away wolves. Because of course. <laughs> um, okay, so I guess if you're an old, old man yokai, you have unusually strong teeth, as opposed to if you're an old man. Um, I'm not sure. Hmm, <laughs> yeah, not sure about this one. <laughs> I'm a little concerned. <laughs> uh, it would appear on roads where humans come and go, but they don't appear before people. Instead, leaving round footprints about six or seven shaku apart that are about four shaku wide, as if a mallet pressed into it. Oh, let me let me. That's so why he's, these... he's wearing the uh, wooden the wooden shoes. Yeah, but this also says the the the, the footprints are ninety to one hundred and twenty centimeters wide, which is concerning. He's got he got them long legs, and they're like two meters apart. I mean, I guess or maybe he just, he just walks doing the splits. <laughs> <laughs> it's from is, the Ministry of Silly photos. Walks. Yes, quite. Uh, worthy of special mention, after all of that, is its extravagantly large voice. And its <laughs> voice would echo around the mountains, shake the sky and earth, make leaves fall, and make the nearby trees and rocks move. 
it is said that there are some who have had their eardrums torn by this great voice and died. <laughs> okay, it's a, it's a loud old man with strong teeth. Uh, the Yamajiji. <laughs> <laughs> the Yomajiji would sometimes engage in contests of seeing who has the larger voice, and a folktale where a hunter attempted to show his voice by making a gunshot to defeat the Yamajiji in this contest. However, the Yamajiji, who noticed that he was deceived by a gunshot, shapeshifted into a spider and <laughs> snuck into the opponent's home and attacked him in his sleep in order to clear his resentment. <laughs> this sounds like this sounds like a Cameron story. This sounds like yeah. a misadventure yeah. in Australia. Yeah. Oh yeah, the spider was mad that I cheaped it out on the loud voice contest. <laughs> so it came and killed me in my sleep. Um, <laughs> uh, when the hunter prepared for the contest, uh, the contest being the one to compare how loud their voices were, on the evening of New Year's Eve, while praying at the Issei Hachiman Daibosatsu, he etched in the name Issei Hachiman Daisobatsu, so Daibosatsu, the name of the shrine, on a bullet which he made, which he carried around with him regularly. Uh, said this bullet was something that a hunter in the past always carried with him and always hit even without aiming, but by carrying it around, one would certainly encounter something strange like a yokai. Uh, and against a Yamajiji, by making a threat saying that one would fire this bullet, the Yamajiji would shudder and shudder in fear and run away. Only this to come is, back um, as a spider. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> uh, Leonard, do you want to take the next little bit? Yes. Also, there is a story where it reads people's minds in the old book uh ash uh, ashu uh kiji za zuwa <laughs> Za-, yeah. Zatsua, yeah. Zatsua, uh from tokushima uh mm-hmm. <laughs> uh a a, y- a yamachichi would appear a wild chichi would appear yep. like after goku uh yeah uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, would appear where there were woodcutters in a in mountain houses. The woodcutters would get kicked, would get scared, and wonder if he should kill it soon. <laughs> yeah, dear diary, thinking about <laughs> killing this yokai. Uh, the Yamachichi would correctly read the thought one after another, but when an open wait. But when an open fire flew off at the Yamachiji, I'm, I'm going to assume mm-hmm. that was a gunshot and not an actual open fire, it was surprised mm. that something happened that it was not able to read and ran away. <laughs> I'm sensing a theme. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, in personality, compared to the Yama. Uba, which is also a yokai of the mountain that att- that attacks humans, <laughs> giving yourself away here, dude. Uh, they yeah. are relatively <laughs> relatively quieter, uh, these, mm. and they are are sometimes deceived by humans. I'm gonna say most of the time deceived by mm. humans, mm. Uh, but there are legends where they uh, kidnap children or domestic animals. Uh, also, like the Yama. Uh, Uba. There are mm. also theories that they bring that they bring fortune to people. In uh, what was formerly uh, Mono Monobi Kuchi Prefecture, now uh, Kami, someone named uh, Nako received 
a ta- uh, Takakibi uh, seed from a Yama Uba. And mm-hmm. sowing it, <laughs> a great harvest resulted. At the end of the year, a Yama GG appeared wanting mochi. <laughs> Man, Moochie, 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 Yokai. Uh, so yep, it was yep. given. So it was given a lot of it. A lot of it. Next year, also had a great harvest. Uh, great harvest, and even more mochi was given to Yamajichi. In the end, as a result of this repeating many times, the Yamajichi became able to eat three. Uh, about 54.5 liters of mochi (laughs) and not the mochi in liters tubs of mochi yeah uh and nako who feared for his family's finances reasonable yeah uh, yeah gave him burnt stones which he presented as mochi and the yamajiji who was feeling hot uh was given hot oil which was presented as the okay this is just me now uh the mm. yamajiji was surprised uh at that and fled dying on the way <laughs> after that the Nako family who once had abundant crops declined at once wow <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, uh, uh. in the yokai tell uh, Tosa Obaki Zoishi Written uh, in Tosa province, author unknown, there was a story where a man who carried a load with a horse fed the load to the Yamachichi, Yamajiji, and even fed the horse to it. Man, okay. Uh, the Yamachichi, yeah, right? The Yamachichi in this book illustration was different from the le- legends, and it was depicted with two legs, referred to image. That would explain the image. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But according to this, uh, this the one in legend was a yokai with one eye and one leg. And the one in folktales was a giant that had the same appearance as a human. So this is all total instances. Completely different things. <laughs> with a legendary is... voice is the quieter mountain yokai. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And the one in Loch Ness is actually an eel. Yeah, it's close enough. <laughs> That's what I heard anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, it looks like I found an entry in the Hour of Meeting Evil Spirits book mm. on the... Oh, where did it go? I had it. And now <laughs> it, it went away. Here we go. I found, I found it. Oh. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yamajiji. Translation. Mountain Geezer. <laughs> I mean, that's accurate. Yeah. Mm. Alternate names: Yamanji, Yamachichi, the Mountain Father. Habitat: deep in the fountain of mount, deep in the mountains of Shikoku. Diet: omnivorous. Appearance: Yamajiji mm-hmm. look like elderly men, about three to four feet tall, with only one leg and one eye. In actuality, they have two eyes, but one of them is so huge and the other so tiny that they appear to have only one eye. Their bodies are covered in fine gray hair, and they can be found either wearing old clothes, 
tattered rags or nothing at all. Nothing at all. <laughs> Their teeth are sharp and powerful. A Yamajiji's bite is said to be strong enough to crush the bones of wild boars or monkeys. Behavior. Mm-hmm. Yamajiji live in the mountains far from human settlements. They rarely appear before humans, but their tracks are easily recognizable. They leave deep, sunken footprints about 12 inches long every 6 to 7 feet from hopping about on one leg. Thank you for that explanation. Because their bite is so strong, hunters would sometimes tame Yamajiji and use them to drive away wolves. They also have the uncanny ability to read people's thoughts. They are the most well-known... Wait, they are most well-known, however, for their powerful voices. The cry of a Yamajiji is so powerful, it blows the leaves off of branches, splits trees, and moves rocks, reverberates through the mountains, and shakes the heavens and the earth. They enjoy shouting contests, and will occasionally allow a human to challenge them. However, humans are clo- who are close to a Yamajiji when it shouts sometimes even have their eardrums burst or even die. <laughs> At least this is fairly consistent with the Wikipedia article, um, yeah. <clears throat> which is good. And uh, Legends. An old story tells of a brave hunter who challenged a Yamajiji to a shouting contest. On the hunter's turn, he fired his rifle when he shouted, winning the contest. Later, <laughs> the Yamajiji realized he had been tricked. He shape-shifted into a spider and snuck into the hunter's bed to attack him in his sleep. In some versions of the tale, the clever hunter prepared for the shouting contest by praying to the gods of Issei and crafting a holy bullet inscribed with their names. This bullet had a special power. When fired, it would never miss. Because of its magic, whenever the hunter carried it with him, it would invariably attract the attention of yokai. However, any time a Yamajiji came near enough to threaten him, the hunter would display the bullet, ah, and the Yamajiji would flee in terror. <laughs> A tale from Awa province tells of a group of woodcutters warming themselves by a fire in a cabin when Yamajiji suddenly appeared. The terrified woodcutters all had the same idea, kill the yokai. But the Yamajiji read their minds one by one. Suddenly, this is, this is a good explanation here, suddenly one of the logs in the fire split with a loud snap. The Yamajiji thought there must be a mind he could not read among the hunters. He fled the cabin ah. in terror. Thank you for that explanation. A legend from that the Tosa province makes, sense. makes a little more sense. <laughs> legend from the Tosa province tells of a kind Yamajiji who gave a sorghum seed to a poor farmer as a gift. The farmer sowed the seed, and that year was blessed with an incredible harvest. That winter, the Yamajiji returned and asked for some mochi to eat. The grateful farmer gladly gave the Yamajiji as much mochi as it could eat. The next year, another great harvest followed, and again, the Yamajiji came back in the winter to ask for mochi. Each year, the Yamajiji was able to eat more and more mochi until it was able to eat three huge barrels full. The farmer became afraid of losing his fortune, and the next time he came, uh, next time it came, he gave the Yamajiji a pile of burned stones, passing them off as yakimochi, baked rice cakes. The Yamajiji ate them, but soon began to feel sick and hot. The farmer offered a cup of hot oil, passing it off as tea to the Yamajiji, or uh, passing it off as tea. But the Yamajiji realized the farmer's trick. Surprised and hurt, it fled into the woods, but died before it could get back to its home. Afterwards, the farmer's family fell into ruin and was never rich again. Mm. Thank you, Hour of Meaning Evil Spirits book. Mm, that is much more, much more coherent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm upset that my, my fireplace Yamajiji fight was disproven 
I really yeah unfortunately Wikipedia <laughs> tried hard but it, it failed mm, mm. telekinetic battle between fireplace <laughs> hey you know what considering considering the yokai that we cover not at all surprised that there's probably a fireplace yokai there's always mm. floating ghost light somewhere oh yep. yeah yeah yep, that Billy Crystal he's <laughs> everywhere <sighs> and that was yokai of the week Bum, 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 bum. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that, that brings us back around to the Karnstein trilogy. Again, a trilogy of vampire films produced mm. by Hammer Films, mm. starting in 1970 and ending in 1971. The films include The Vampire Lovers, which was the first film, Lust mm-hmm. for a Vampire, and then Twins of Evil, which may be considered a prequel to the other two films because it, some of it occurs prior to the events in the first two films. Although they are not <laughs> mm. um, chronologically secure, I guess, in the depictions mm. of what's going on. But let's find out what's going on. We'll start with um, <clears throat> Cameron. You've covered Vampire Lovers. Yes, I did, uh, mostly because it was the one I could find easiest uh, online, but also it does have a stellar poster, which I've posted in the Discord for uh, <laughs> any who wish to see. Um, it has close to nothing to do with the content of the film, but I love it. Uh, Dave was kind enough to point out a little warning sticker, caution, not for the mentally immature. Uh <laughs> You can probably <laughs> apply that warning to all three of these films, I feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, um, so I watched this early. T- uh, it, uh, my memory is a little hazy already. Uh, it's been a long week, so my apologies for that. Uh, <clears throat> oh. So this, uh, this film is set in Central Europe, technically, uh, the, my first thought was that it was English, but apparently it's set in a state or in Austria uh, called Styria. Um, and it is, I'll give my overall impression, it is not a bad vampire film. It's quite intriguing in how it's different to some of the other older vampire films I've seen, like the original Dracula and things like that. Um, uh, mostly because uh, it focuses much more heavily on female vampire and her predations as opposed to a male vampire and his predations are uh, and these two things are presented the pun very differently uh in terms of style uh and i mean we should get right to the point uh these films are most well known for bringing lesbian vampires to the table which is yeah i mean it was good it was it was fun uh get some get some uh queer theming in some film from a period where I didn't really think I'd see much of that. Uh, And yeah, it it was interesting, I think is my overall impressions. Um, It started out kind of shockingly gory, uh, showing something, uh, a a vampire hunter after the the death of his sister and just straight up decapitates (laughs) the vampire, which I did not expect from, uh, I mean, earlier era hammer horror i guess i wouldn't expect it but this was fairly late i suppose 
I'm getting my timeline correct. I might it's, not. Yeah, think. it's late, late hammer. Horror. Yeah, yeah, late hammer. Horror. Okay, good. Got my brain in order, hundred um, <clears> percent. Uh, and the star of the show is Ingrid Pitt as Mark. Marcilla, Marcilla, um <laughs> Karnstein or Karnstein, I'm bad at pronunciation right now, sorry, um, who is sort of the uh, the vampire purge and the film mostly focuses on her sort of finding and dining her way <laughs> across this state <laughs> is the most <laughs> effective way to effective way to put it. Um, yeah. Uh, so let's see. Da, 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 da. Where are we? Da, da, da. Is here we go. Right, getting getting things all together. Um, so essentially, uh, where is where is Dracula? Sort of does as he will, and sort of very forcefully breaks into social circles, and you know takes what he wants, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He's the Count Dracula. Uh, Marquilla slash. Uh, However, she takes various names that are all acronyms of Carmilla, uh, which is what this uh, is based on, obviously. Uh, she sort of is that more sort of subtle vampire. She sort of integrates herself into a group and then feeds over time. Uh, so she has an assistant who introduces her as her daughter uh, and sort of is like, I've got to go take care of business but i don't want my daughter to travel too long could she possibly just stay with you i'm sure she and your daughter could etc etc uh and best of friends best of friends uh and um it, it just so happens that when she becomes someone's friend they start horrible nightmares of being like suffocated in their sleep by a cat uh which it's yeah, interesting imagery for vampires. Like, it's not the the wolf or the bat imagery that is fairly commonly associated with vampires. Uh, instead, we have the, the cat, which is, um, for whatever particular reason, seen as a more feminine creature. Um, not sure. Not sure on the reasoning behind that, but you know, it's ingrained in society at this point. Uh, and. I, I... I'd like to imagine mm. that 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 was just as a means of plausible deniability because we all know that cats will always try to suffocate you when you are asleep. I mean, that's fair. It was um it was at one point uh used as an explanation as you know, I had this dream that I was choking and there was this enormous gray cat and like it turns out this family owns a big gray cat. And she's like, No, it wasn't him, it was much bigger than Gustav the cat. <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure it's the cat's name. Um, it's like, yeah, but you know, it could have been like this. And the, the 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 maid just picks up the cat and holds it in front of a lamp, and you see the cat shadow on the wall. And she's and the girl's like, ah, oh, yes, that explains everything. It's all over the house. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so the, this first girl, who is uh, by the name of Laura, and is uh, Peter Cushing's niece, uh, to put it bluntly uh not not the actual in in character is peter cushing's character's niece peter cushing's character doesn't have a lot of character in here so i can't associate with him heavily uh he also <laughs> doesn't show up too much during the film um she uh but uh, his niece eventually dies uh and Marcilla moves on uh <laughs> now now using the al- alias of carmilla uh switching around again and being more about their inspirations uh 
she and her older female accomplice fake a breakdown, a carriage breakdown, and like, you know, could we stay with you, kind kind family who found us on the road? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then, you know, uh, then, you know, the older woman is getting, oh, I've got to go take care of this family business. has been a death in the family. I don't want my daughter to worry. <laughs> so if you could just possibly take her and we'll be back in a week or two. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, she, she and your young daughter, be the best of friends uh you can feel a pattern at this point um <laughs> i fear um and uh although um at this point hello hello cat you want to have your say about yeah i see i, I didn't uh, smother anybody <laughs> yeah it lies being falsely accused <laughs> um uh and it, so we we sort of saw uh, the previous incident was more like sort of we got in as the story sort of partway through uh, this process of integrating integrating herself into the family group and then seducing slash vampiring her way through uh, the eligible young women. Uh, and now we get to see it from the start and uh, she, she puts the moves on <laughs> this young lady <laughs> uh, who then begins to have the same nightmares and uh most most horror of horror she's got two perfect little puncture marks on one of her breasts because you know lady vampire's got to do it nice uh and not just leave these awful big gaping neck wounds all the time apparently um and the explanation for this is oh i gave her a brooch and she stabbed herself with it by accident because she wasn't careful (laughs) here look i've got one just like the one i gave her and it's just this brooch is like, I'm not sure how this is meant to attach because it's just two sharpened spikes on the back of the brooch pointing straight down. And I guess you're meant to like clip it onto the front of a dress or something, but it it, it feasibly looks like, yeah, this this is a piece of jewelry designed to injure whoever wears it. Um, <laughs> so it makes sense. That, that's a that's a good uh good alibi you got there for all of that. Um and in the uh, in the process of seducing the daughter of the family, uh, Carmilla also seduces the governess uh, to just make life easier for herself, I suppose. Um, and you know, the she is suspected by a local doctor. She is suspected by the butler of the house, and they are both eventually killed uh, for their suspicions. Um, and effectively Camilla takes the young daughter prisoner uh kills the governess because she needs the energy i guess she needs she needs the blood uh and attempts to flee with the young lady of the house uh but eventually uh the young lady is rescued by a mutual acquaintance a young man um and Camilla flees to her ancestral castle uh while this has all been going on, you know, people have found out, oh, yeah, no, this is definitely a vampire thing, uh, which is awkward. So we're going to go, we're going to go to that castle uh, that it was rumored that this, this nobleman, Baron Hartog, killed all these vampires like 30 years ago at. And uh, just, just check he got them all, make sure. He says he got them all, but uh, <laughs> might be missing just one. Um, they finally find... Camila's grave, who her name is revealed to be Miss Masala Kansai Makala Kanstein. It's hard to I I didn't have the volume up super high, uh, so I missed some pronunciation there. Um uh but they, they find her grave, which well they they find the official grave, which is empty, the coffin's been removed. 
and then they find her hidden grave, which I quite like as a characterization of a vampire having a backup plan of if anyone ever comes to the castle, they'll be like, well, the, the grave's empty, the vampire's not resting at this castle, and it's actually hidden beneath the secret flagstone next to her portrait, which all well and good. Uh, they find Camilla, they stake her, they uh, decapitate her just for good measure, uh, and uh, is it Dorian Gray? Yeah, um, Dorian Gray style, the portrait sort of ages to show a horrific fanged skeleton undead evil thing uh instead of the illusion of uh youth and beauty and that that's the general gist of the film um but yeah i I found it quite interesting uh in comparison in particular to christopher lee's dracula which is the other film i've watched relatively recently uh in this vein in this vein great (laughs) now i'm doing puns um because, yeah, uh, Christopher Lee's director is very forceful. Uh, he's not super, super active in the story, like, from a social standpoint either. Like, you know, he has some lines with people, but a lot of the film is him <laughs> running around being an evil vampire. And a lot of this film, a lot of this film is Carmilla running around being, like, a, a socialite. Like, she's having dinner with people. She's hanging out and, like, befriending these young women and it is really a film that is like a study in uh more socially acceptable predatory behavior i guess (laughs) like she's like from an outside viewpoint is like she's grooming this other woman um you know like getting closer to her getting her comfortable with her and making sure that she is heavily emotionally invested in her so like there's, there's that idea of you know you can't leave me um I need you around all that kind of stuff. And then the, I mean, the kicker isn't, you know, that she abuses her or anything. It's just, you know, she, she plans to drain her dry and then go to sleep for 20 years till this all cools down. Um, but um, it, it's quite interesting. Uh, and we get some key differences to traditional vampires as well. Um, you have to stake them, which is fairly traditional. Uh, and, but decapitation also works without staking, which is not always on the plate, depending on uh, how the vampires are portrayed. Uh, they don't need to sleep in a coffin filled with native earth like uh, Dracula has to. They instead have to sleep in a coffin with their burial shroud. And if the shroud is removed, they have to go find it because otherwise they can rest. Um, and they, interestingly enough, they don't rest in their coffin during the day. They rest in their coffin at night uh so every night marcella is leaving flying or running the five miles over to the Karnstein castle hopping into a coffin and then hopping out at like 5 a.m and running back climbing in through the bedroom <laughs> and going, i was here all night i swear um uh and the reason for this is these vampires are not uh not well i can't say they're immune to the sun but they are not overly damaged by it like she prefers to sit in the shade because sun hurts her eyes but otherwise there's many scenes where she's out and about during the day um she does have the traditional weakness of the crucifix um which is actually has a an interesting moment where she's killing the doctor for getting too close to the truth and he is sort of frantically scrabbling in the dirt and for a sticking like oh yeah he's gonna stake her and he actually frantically tries to scratch across in the dirt uh to try and ward her off uh doesn't work for him unfortunately um (laughs) 
but it is a it is a really loose crucifix weakness because at one point someone also dagger by the blade and with the with the hilt cross guard it forms a little crucifix and that helps ward her off uh so it's it's a very it's a very uh debilitating weakness sort of drives her back prevents her around um she is repelled by garlic but in this case it's the garlic flower not the garlic bulb (laughs) um so some interesting little shifts there um yeah it, it and you know, like a uh, religious stuff in general seems to get to her. You know that she's sitting out one of the young women while a funeral procession goes by, and all the chanting in Latin sort of builds up into this deafening because we're getting it from her point of view, sort of. And she eventually just screams, "Stop it! Stop it now!" Like at a funeral procession, <laughs> it was like, uh, "Excuse me, <laughs> are you all right?" <laughs> um, yeah. So there, there's some interesting stuff at play here, and. Um, it was, I feel it was almost undoubtedly done for, um, I mean, like Carmilla is an interesting thing to work off of. I feel it was put into film this way, probably sort of more to attract audiences, like with the, with the marketing. You know, you've got uh, the poster is this uh, woman uh, in a beautiful torn red dress, uh, sort of making clawing motions at a very buff man chained up in nothing but his underwear. Uh, which does not appear in the film, but uh, this is how the film was marketed. Uh, if you dare taste the deadly passion of the blood nymphs, uh, <laughs> I, feel, I feel they, I feel they went representation. Obviously, in more for this will get this will give people a kick and get us some uh, get us some interest at the box office. Um, and I, I mean, yeah, it was it was quite an enjoyable film. Uh, again, surprised by things like sudden decapitations. Uh, there was some nudity. I don't want to say it was tasteless because it feels like uh, it could have been way more <laughs> exploitative, but uh, at the same time, it's clearly this wasn't marketed or produced for um, the the women loving women audience. It was produced for the audience at the time, which was the early seventies. It was like here, here's a thrilling, sexy vampire film at the time. Um, but uh, it's a lot of fun. It's definitely worth a watch. I would. Say. It's only ninety. 90- 90 to 95 minutes as well so it won't take up your whole day that's all folks <laughs> so uh, and i'm this is going to be pretty much up as opposed mm. to the other two films that sounds roughly like a one-to-one adaptation of the um carmilla novella yes mm. like there may yeah. be a few discrepancies as we found between the um actual novella and then the audiobook um, or not, not audio, but, but the uh, audio play adaptation. Yes. Mm. That mm. seems to be kind of what they did. They just skewed it a little bit more um, in a, you know, whatever's going to make money for the film um, direction. Yeah. Um, yeah. Than, than the actual uh, novella. But otherwise, it, it sounds pretty close to hit, hitting the plot mm. beats that um, we had previously discussed covering the, yes. the novel. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Um, so and with that, that's that. Uh, I'm I'm gonna take my leave. Every uh, sorry, I can't be here the whole episode, but I am falling to pieces. I'll catch you on the next one. Good job, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Get some rest. Back to your thank you coffin. Don't forget your burial shroud. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take my shroud. <laughs>
Yeah, <laughs> you'll, you'll get there, and the the roach and the spider will have. Oh taken no, it. no, decapitated <laughs> by a roach. They're, they're teaming up. They want their they want their money back. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you never hear from me again, you all know exactly what happened. Farewell. <laughs> All right, so that was Vampire Lovers from 1970. So we'll, uh, I'll just go on with mine, I guess. We'll just do an order, <laughs> of, re- order of release date. Um, I'll cover Lust for a Vampire from 1971. This one, uh, apparently it's a build as a loose sequel to um, The Vampire Lovers. I, well, I did not watch <laughs> the first film, but I did read the book. I would not... Say that it's very sequely. Loose sequels, proper term, I suppose. So, this film focuses on uh, the Countess Mirkala. Uh, she's newly resurrected by um, it, uh, it. You know, it doesn't give them. I think it gives them names of Count Karnstein and Countess Karnstein or something. It's it's basically her caretakers from I don't think they're from the previous film but just the the coachman and the um older woman caretaker uh ah, her, from yeah, her yes. thrall yeah, yeah and it's it's super weird they don't they're not treated that way in this um they're treated more as actually kind of her parents as oh, far as, as far as their well as far as their social standing is concerned but also how she sort of treats them they don't they're not paying her like reverence um as as like their uh liege or anything like there's no okay there's no sense of that she's beneath them i guess it's it's super like doesn't put attention into that what Um, a decision (laughs) yeah it's it's really weird so i guess my one um nitpick with this film there's maybe one or two would be that uh there's no real motivation for her being revived like i don't understand there's no reason given Um, right but that being said uh the 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 count konstein and his cohort um they are uh it's a it's a pact with the devil that is what uh, revives um, Mirkala, mm-hmm. P- potentially do and her the skeleton is not beheaded, um, so it's it's all in one piece. But it's definitely a, it's a full skeleton, like in a ah. in a in a coffin. Um, <laughs> what they do is they they kidnap a um, a young virgin from the local town and sacrifice her and kind of pour her blood onto the the burial shroud. Um, so that part's still there. Uh, so it's a big bloody shroud on her. And then uh, we get a couple cool special effects scenes where like the, the the coffin is lit from beneath. So you see like this <laughs> sort of outline of a skeleton and then the blood kind of just fills the bottom. It's, it's way more blood than was in the little goblet they used. And then it, it fills the, uh, the coffin up at the bottom and then... Uh, she's reborn her flesh reappears but there's no budget for that so it's just the lights go away and then they pull the shroud away and it's, she's fully there again um, <laughs> quick quick little uh, film um, 
tricks instead of uh, having to spend budget on stop motion refilling a, a body, I guess. <laughs> um, then it, she's not, um, she's the main antagonist, but not the main character in the film. Um, that, uh, that dubious honor um, goes to the character of Richard Lestrange. He's a, <laughs> um, he's a, a wandering uh, author. And he's he's come to um, this is also set in uh, Styria, so he's come to the Karnstein uh, town um, to do research on writing his next big book. Uh, he finds his receptions a little bit uh, chilly because he's he's this guy's kind of a jerk. Um, he's a womanizer. <laughs> uh, he's just like he's his introduction is at a bar, um, the, the little town bar. And um, he's just fawning over the um, the buxom waitress, and then he gets he gets told off by uh, I guess it's the owner of the bar, who tells him to um, it's, it's, a, it's a warning really not not about um, the kind of a cost he's not he's not physically costing her but he's just flirting with the waitress he's um, he's given a warning about that but it's not really about the waitress per se it's more that. Um, in this area, uh, young women may not be who they seem. Um, and we have a history of dealing with vampires that are women. So it's to your benefit that you don't um, find yourself in, ensnared in a, a strange woman's um, embrace. Because she <laughs> could be a vampire and you'll just die. Uh, so it's kind of trading on that um, some of the, the Puritan values, I think, that we'll see in Twins of Evil. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. While not like delving into that uh, too much, there's still some of the religious aspects um, uh, directly because um, the the vampires here are a product of a deal with the devil. Right. Like that. That's how they're formed. Um, so the author uh, he finds himself. Um, it's pretty random. He there's a boarding school for young women um, in the town. Uh, and he, he goes, oh, oh, he doesn't go there randomly. Um, he's inspecting the castle, the Karnstein, the ruins of the Karnstein castle. It's all, it's pretty dilapidated. Um, and he, he runs into three young women that are, uh, they're wearing like cloaks and they're just kind of, um, uh, they're sort of flirting with him, but in a, in a spooky way. Like, right. you go in like, maybe these are vampires, but we only saw Nurkala. But the time thing is not like, it's not, it's linear, but it's, you know, it's jumping around without like telling you. Establishing. So, yeah. Okay. Mm. So he's, he's frightened about this because it, it's giving the, the, this film in particular loves to do voiceovers of re- reminding the viewer that conversations happened like a few minutes ago. <laughs> so it's, it's basically rehashing the conversation that the bar um owner had with him the the warnings um and and he's he's scaring himself uh right with with you know remembering that event and so he's kind of trying to run away from these girls that are start chasing after him and (laughs) they're kind of giggling at this point so it's a little bit um you're feeling it's probably not vampires (laughs) um but they are a little spooky uh well they he runs into um, 
a man by the name of Giles Barton, who is the, uh, he's not really a caretaker. He's just um, in charge of these three young women because it turns out that they're on a little uh, excursion from the local boarding school. Um, they're just poking around the castle because um, Giles is a somewhat of a historian and he's doing a lot of study into the current state of state. Um, and the girls were along for the trip to get some fresh air, I guess. Um, so they all head back to the uh, the boarding school, and the 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 good uh, author is introduced to um, the matron of the school, uh, as well as one of the other, um, like the only other instructor, really is uh, Janet Playfair. <laughs> wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. Uh, like, yeah, that's a wonderful last name. Uh, she teaches uh, um, historical dance, like they. <laughs> it's some sort of Greco-Roman dancing um, that the girls are using in place of. Well, at the time, it would not have been in vogue, but uh, yoga or uh, I guess Pilates. Pilates. Yeah, <laughs> they're just doing these like dancing. Um, <laughs> involves a lot of like shawls and loose clothing and all super cheesecakey um but it's it's ostensibly for their health uh and he inquires uh, the, the the author inquires as to like a teaching position because he's versed in um, english literature uh and he's like well i could be a teacher here um and help help these wonderful young girls because i'm not at all a creeper and he's totally a creeper this guy's guy no good um he's like fawning over the the young the young women um to the point this the the giles character is like he seems sort of um he seems skeevy but he's not as bad as the author okay uh so sort of you're gonna have to kind of put him in the same in the same bunch neither of these guys are good Almost, okay. There's almost no good male characters in this film. Everyone's just bad. I think the people in general, no, no one's great in this. There's a lot of questionable decisions made by um. So Miss Simpson is the uh the proprietress of this boarding school or headmaster, and yeah. um, she's doesn't know what she's doing. It's <laughs> it's really blatant. She's like mishandling like the running of this boarding school. Her intentions are good. Um, she okay. just she's just inept, like utterly ah. and horribly inept at like keeping these girls safe. Okay, well, I, I can appreciate that a little more than like, haha, I care about these students. Yeah, no, she she cares about them, and she's just bad at okay running the school. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it the school was established like on a whim. Like, there's no there's no history to it. It's a, re- it's a recent um, school established by herself and uh, Giles through his uh, funding, I guess. I don't know. I don't know why it exists here. Uh, another big question. Why is it right next to the Karenstein castle? Hey, listen, I, I bet, I bet the property price was really, really low. Yeah. Well, what I think sort of turns out and we're far beyond spoiler territory as uh, Giles, um, through his uh, studies of the Karnstein estate and apparently his studies of the dark arts, um, <laughs> his whole goal is to become a thrall for a Carmilla. 
Yeah. That's his life's mission is he just wants to be her servant and learn more powers of hell. <laughs> like he wants to become a cool sorcerer or something. Right. He doesn't he doesn't get a lot of time to to give us that information. It's a brief a brief moment moment uh, in exposition. Um so potentially he made this school to attract Carmilla. Okay. <laughs> because Carmilla is clearly looking for the younger ladies. Like that's right. just part and parcel of her character in this um, adaptation as well. And that's that um so Carmilla shows up also. Like on the same day as the uh the the author. <laughs> um she shows up and she's not um uh Carmilla Karnstein. She is um Mirkala uh, Hiritsen. So she's, <laughs> so she's stuck with her first name, but she doesn't have to anagram Karnstein because that would have been yes. too, that would have been too much, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, and through her, uh, her 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 two benefactors or her two uh, the Count Karnstein and the um, he's posing as uh, her doctor, and okay. um, the. The other, the woman is posing just, I guess, as her as her mother, ah. or, or her just countess, the the, the countess Harrison, um, ah. who again they they just drop her off at the school and like we gotta go do some stuff. Peace out. Well, it's a boarding <laughs> school, so she'll just be here. We're gonna go away. Um, that that's at least reasonable. It's a boarding school, so you can stay there right. at a, for an indefinite right. time. And uh, she she makes uh, Carmilla makes. Or I guess Mirkala makes fast friends with um, Susan, who's an American, the the sole American. Ex- um, that's not an exchange student, but the sole American boarding boarding student. Uh, and they they frolic. Um, there's a lot of frolicking, and I like as I mentioned, didn't watch the first one, but the nudity here is definitely it. It's passingly tasteful, but it's completely <laughs> unnecessary. Like yes, it's, it's like utterly did not need to exist, and and still like a couple, uh, maybe like two instances were warranted by like the plot, mm-hmm. but the rest of it is girls in the boarding school in their rooms, just no clothes. You're like, uh, yeah, that does probably not didn't need to happen. <laughs> Definitely, it was a little awkward um, a couple times, but they go they go like skinny dipping in a lake, um, just random. The things girls do, uh, apparently, in these movies. Uh, and Susan does not last long. Uh, um, Miracala makes her move super fast. And uh, the poor, poor Susan is dispatched. And then thrown down a well. Thrown oh, down a well. Um, and not from her, uh, her, her, the good doctor um, is been generally cleaning up after um, Miracala is, is the implication. But um, this, this cleaning up was done by our, our dear Giles in order to ingratiate himself to the um, the Countess uh, Mirkala. Uh-huh. So he, he uses that, his his hiding of her um, victim as a um, like bargaining of, chip? Yeah, <laughs> it's like a bargaining chip. Basically he, he, he blackmails her kind of into meeting him. At the Constantine <laughs> Castle. I mean, he's like basically saying, I know you're a vampire and I'll tell people if you don't meet with me. Doesn't right. come, it's not a good bargaining chip. It's not. <laughs> um, 
So he, he meets up with her and you think that he's going to denounce her. And then it turns out that, no, he's a super fanboy and has all of her pictures. And <laughs> he's like, I have your your portrait um, from uh, the 1710. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, so this is set in like 1850. Um, like I have your portrait and it's clearly you. And I've also made all these creepy sketches of you. Um, I'm totally not stalking you at all. Uh, make me your vampire slave and teach me mm-hmm. the, the ways of the devil um all that all that kind of thing uh and um well mikala sells basically says no in the most direct manner um she dispatches uh poor old giles and, <laughs> yeah. um, he he is uh, he turns up dead the um th- this is the second inc- incidence where uh our Miss Simpson um, is failing at uh, running this this boarding school. Uh, <laughs> the first time Susan has gone missing and no one can find her. Um, they assume foul play is probably at work, but she elects to not notify the local authorities. She also declines to send any kind of message to um, Susan's father, who's in Vienna. She's like, we don't really want to bug him. Um, we don't, we don't, we don't, she's not dead. We don't have a body, so it could just be fine. Um, let's just tell everyone she has the flu and just is stuck in her room for a while. Good work. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and then they find, um, well, so I think what's happening is the, uh, the, the Countess Harrison and her doctor um, friend are putting up a lot of money in order to um, ostensibly to board um, Mirkala. Mm-hmm. So they're funding, they're, they are a large funder of this boarding school, which is what it sounds like because ah. uh, the Countess just kind of shows up and starts mm. adv- advising um, Sim- Ms. Ms. Simpson and Oral what to do because she's just distraught. Right. Um, okay. And, and what to do about all these events. And she's like, just see, the girl is have a fever. And then when... Um, when they when they find the body of uh, Giles, she's like, "I'll have my doctor look at him." It's like, "Oh, oh, it's obviously a heart attack. It, you can completely ignore those giant stab wounds on his neck. Right, he died from a heart attack. Just tell the authorities that if you, if and when you contact them, which should be not soon. We're just gonna bury him." <laughs> um, so it's it's all it's it's all pretty ridiculous. Um, the the author falls in love with uh, Mirkala like of his own accord. Cause he's a skeevy dude. Right. Um, she's uh, he, and he's like, I don't know. He's 40. He's older. But quite Our hero ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. He's, he's no good. This is no good guy. Um, He falls in love with her. He has all this. He was in the, he was rooming with Giles. He pretty much okay. dismisses most of Giles' death. He's like, whatever. But he has all of his notes and his books and all the, the portraits, and he's reading everything, and he comes to the conclusion that potentially uh, Mirkala could be a vampire. But he doesn't care. Because he, too, <laughs> is completely in love with her, and it doesn't matter if she was a vampire or not. Um, this uh, this this sounds like a lot of negligence in a vampire story. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of, like... <laughs> This, this school is not a good place. Um, <laughs> the, the whole thing, everything's bad. Everything's bad. Uh, so he confesses to Carmilla or to Mirkala, and she's like, 
it's at this point where you realize she's not uh she's just there for some snacks <laughs> and she's not there for like of her own accordance like she didn't plan to go do this thing she's just like uh they dropped me off here and now i'm gonna eat some snacks it's like your, it's like your parents drop you off at like a friend's house and you're like or a babysitter that, that's how this okay. is like she's it's really weird she's like she has two different um, her Mirkala persona and then her Carmilla persona are a little different so oh, when she's in vampire mode she's adult like there's an adult feeling um a mature sense to her okay and then when she's Mirkala she's she's uh, you know a young woman but it's not um it's really weird because it doesn't feel like she's acting as two different people Mm-hmm. It feels like the vampire curse or whatever it is is a different person. Like it's a different entity within her that is not controllable. Okay. So uh, when when the author makes his his um, confession to her, um, she she declines him at first for like ten seconds because <laughs> then he puts the moves on her, and apparently that's. He's like super good at it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's really awkward. Um, and they like, they make out. And then it ends. And he goes to the next day. And then he's like, how come you're ignoring me? And um, she's, because she's back to acting like as her young woman self. And she's like, this is not appropriate. And don't, um, um, don't tell um, the, the, um, Her- the Countess Harrison like right bad, bad things will happen um because as it as it seems to be um the the countess and the count karnstein are like controlling her mm-hmm. like they can use um mesmerism to like make her do stuff with against her ah. will so it's really weird like i don't she doesn't have agency yeah. as her own self as the vampire that's that's it's bizarre um, but czar choice yeah and maybe i'm reading it wrong but that's just that's how it came across Um, Mm -hmm. so she actually does fall in love with this jerk um and and to make things a little bit more complicated um the the dance instructor also is in love with um richard lestrange Uh, (laughs) and and she's aside from that choice of her falling in love with this dubious dude um She's probably the most level-headed, like actual should have been the protagonist character in this in this whole story. She um, she's <laughs> quest, she's question she's doing the right thing and questioning all these murder or no they're not murders to her they're just disappearances and deaths. Right. She's questioning those things. Um, she is disturbed by like other events kind of occurring in the the boarding school. She wants mm-hmm. to take it all to the police. And everyone is telling her no. Um, the, the Richard is one step away from like gaslighting her. It's super <laughs> like he's not saying that she's imagining things, but he's getting as close to that as you can do. Nice. He's just dismissing her basically, and it's actually kind of worse in a way because she has valid concerns, and he's just like, "Don't even worry about it. It's like it's no problem," you know. Um, and, and then he, he eventually does, um, he concedes to like, okay, yeah, maybe we should go talk to the police. We'll at least give it a shot. Um, 
However, then he that's the point where he um, confesses and cements his relationship physically with um, Carmilla and then comes back and he's he's a changed man for the next few days. And uh, the um, the good Miss uh, Playfair notices that and she's like, you were supposed to go with me to the police and you said you would help me with this. And he's like, nah, that's don't worry about it. It's fine. It's all fine. Um, so there's, it's a lot of. Uh, just not good. like people are just not good in this <laughs> right um uh aside aside from miss playfair she does a fairly good job uh she eventually um uncovers that carmilla may not be who she seems and uh <laughs> goes to, i think she goes to confront her or at least goes to talk to her um to see what's going on and uh she gets ensorcelled she gets uh, mesmerized <laughs> by um, Rickall, and we think it's the end for Miss Playfair, but it's not. Uh, uh, Carmilla takes her up to her room and um, is going to drain her blood. Um, luckily, Miss Playfair has a crucifix um, under her. It's not even under her dress. It's like in her bosom. You know, <laughs> it's hiding in the cleavage. Um, right. So when. Uh, when Miracala goes to like take off her clothes or whatever, um, she sees the crucifix and, and is stunned enough that it like breaks the mesmerism kind of. And <laughs> Carmilla flees. And then Miss Playfair is just left. Like she doesn't know what's going on. She's like, I, okay. Oh, I'm, she has I'm, I'm the, here what now. happened? Yeah. Basically moment. she's like, I don't understand what just happened. And now I'm just <laughs> in, random room how'd I get here and then just goes about the rest of her day or and then exits yeah she's like exits she's like okay okay that was all right something happened don't know um it all comes to a head when uh the 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 father that you probably should have contacted shows up because he hasn't heard from his daughter (laughs) in a while and he's like oh uh the no miss playfair did she sent for the inspector on her own and sent for uh, sent a letter to um, Susan's father. Ah, okay. Because no one, no one was helping her, so she's like, "I'm gonna just have to do it by myself." Right. Um, so the inspector shows up, uh, brings along a pathologist, and they they do find the body of um, Susan. And <sighs> the 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 false doctor is like, "Yeah, it was a heart attack." And it's this. There's a lot of scene chewing by the inspector. He's like, "This guy's great." Um, he's constantly, both actually, both him and Susan, Susan's father, both they're really good. They're probably my favorite characters as far as like the characterization of how they present themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, the inspector does a really good job looking for things and doing inspector business without um, having to resort to snuff and degrading other people. Um, he 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 finds her body down the well and goes down to confirm it. Um, but unfortunately, when he's climbing back out of the well, um, then the rope he's using is, is severed by the, uh, the false doctor, and he he, ah. he he doesn't make it. <laughs> so then the father shows up. The father is far more competent. He's like competent and confident. Like this guy is not someone. He just bulldozes everybody. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a big a, a man big in stature and big in personality um and he's just not having any nonsense you know he he's not he's 
sad about his daughter, but it's not. His anger is like uh, above that. It's the stronger emotion of the two. So he's just questioning everything. So he's the one that brings the pathologist along with him, and he, he they um he exhumes his daughter's corpse, and then the pathologist does his or he's gonna take her for an examination, and they find the, the bite marks on her neck, and they're like, "That's not a heart attack, Betty. That's something <laughs> else. Something we don't know, but it's something." And um. The uh, I think the, the the first major thing he does is uh, he goes in and he just he's just like browbeating Miss um, Simpson like, like he's just like what, what kind of place are you running here not not only is my you did not report my daughter's like disappearance but there's been like another death that you didn't tell the police you didn't do any of these things like why are you here and then the whole time Miss Simpson's like but but the Countess told me the Countess told me to do and he's like I don't, who's this Countess like there's no record of her. Some doctor. <laughs> I'm in Vienna. Like nobody's heard of this dude in Vienna, you know. And so he's just he's just running ramshot over this whole thing, and he's gonna get to the bottom of it. Um, he meets a pope guy, some sort of head of the church, cardinal. I don't know. Um, at a pub, at the at the at the one pub in the uh, the little village, and uh, due to the villagers. Um, insistence on there being vampires at the Karnstein estate. Uh, mm. They they just like, well, we'll just go take a look at it. And then going to take a look at it turns into an angry mob with torches. <laughs> Gonna go take a yes. look at it. Uh, so we get the giant mob scene. Um, Carmilla feels like they've, or uh, the, the Countess and the Count feel like they've been exposed. So they, they take Miracala and they all hold themselves up in the castle, which is weird because it's not really a castle. It's like the ruins. A ruin. It's right? a ruin with holes in it where you can see like this you can see outside from inside of it. It's definitely busted down. And um they're in there and the the they there's a coachman who's a vampire, like the mob kills him. The <laughs> the the religious official um he's yelling at everybody to stop with the torches he's like that fire does nothing you're just making it super hard for us to do anything because you're gonna start if you start setting things on fire we can't get in there because you're burning everything <laughs> and then the vampires are immune to fire so you're basically just hurting our, uh, us like we can't do any investigation if everything's on fire um the mob's not having it and they're just like going torch crazy and burning the whole thing down <laughs> Burn, burning the stones yeah it's it's it's, it's, it's <laughs> chaos uh the the good uh the good richard shows up and he's you know he's still in love with carmilla and um, he's still kind of doesn't believe she's a vampire because she's never shown him any vampiric vampiric tendencies she's just ah a young lady so um, so he's literally like i don't know what you listen guys i don't know what you're seeing here but you know she's, she's hot. <laughs> she's okay in my book. Yeah. Uh, so he's he's like stopped by the mob, kind of, but he eventually breaks free and, and runs into the um, the the burning estate. Uh, and here's the bit that I like didn't under. Okay, so he shows up. Carmilla is like sort of happy to see him and she's gonna go embrace him and she has feelings for him in some manner and okay so this is it's 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 a mutual this is young girl mirkala okay so it's the the yes i was about to say it's the girl personality not yeah not the vampire. vampire she's not gonna just bite him but um 
we we see the true nature of uh, the the evil Count Karnstein and his Countess Harrison, uh, <laughs> and he just you know gives her the googly eyes and um, it flips her switch, and she just goes to try to bite um, the author instead. <laughs> so it's like she. I don't understand. I don't understand why they resurrected her. It's every forty years she can be resurrected, um, for some reason, and she bites a couple it, girls and then goes back to sleep. I don't like. They, they did not give justification for like any of this. It's just happening. Yeah, um, it seems like it's a really, it's a really ill-defined power dynamic between yeah. The I don't three people. Yeah, I don't understand why. If she's lesser than them, why do they need her? Right. And, if, and if she's their boss, why is he controlling her? It, it's super like <laughs> ambiguous. I don't get it. Um, it doesn't. It lasts all of ten seconds because the uh, the the place is burning. There's beams of what's left of the ceiling is on fire, and uh, the fire can't hurt you. But when the beam snaps and falls down and spears you in the ground, that's <laughs> It's larger than a stake. You're done. So um, the, the the beam came down and, and murdered um, Mirkala. Um, death by death by flaming beam. Um, and the the author like at that point he realizes she's a vampire because she was trying to bite him with her little teeth. <laughs> um, and then he's flipping out because he was in love with her and now she's turning into like mush. Um, <laughs> gross mush. Uh, the Miss um, Playfair shows up because she's in love with the author. She runs of past course. the mob that was it's a little silly. They're just standing around. Um, she runs in there and oh no, she doesn't run in there. Uh, I think it's the the dad. One of one of the people run in there and get, get, drag him out. Um, he's, he's, <laughs> just, he's just crying and sitting there. Um, so he gets out. Uh, she shows up, and the the religious dude is just like leading a prayer because the vampires have been slain. Although they didn't see anything because they're stuck outside and the place is just burning, <laughs> so it's all real weird. Right. Um, well, and so the Miss Playfair just snags her new boy toy, I guess, and walks off. And then it cuts <laughs> to the inside, and you see that um, the, the the Count Karnstein and um, the the Countess they. They're just like, well, she's dead, um, but no one's coming in, and we're the the fire's not going to do anything to us, so we're just going to sit in the corner, and then wait, wait, wait it out, wait it out, and then the villagers <laughs> will leave, and we'll go wait for forty years and revive her again because I guess she's immortal as long as you pour blood on her. <laughs> but you have to wait like the forty years is what I'm gathering. Oh man! Um, so yeah, but it's, it's it's consistent otherwise with the lores. The, the right. sta- I think because she wasn't decapitated, the staking yeah. is not enough. Um, fire doesn't hurt her. She can be out in the daylight. Didn't make no difference. Um, she can mesmerize people. Um, she could potentially have her mesmerization redirected with, with a shiny sword case, I guess. Right. Uh, <laughs> I think that's 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 it for lust for a vampire. Um, I probably meandered a little more than I meant to, but uh, yeah, it's it's worth watching for like the weird dynamics that like the everyone's yeah. kind of run through. I I don't get. Um, someone else watched this film and let me know if you were not confused a little bit by what's going on. 
Like, there's no motivation for any of this, and the power dynamics are super weird. Um, but the actress playing Mercola did a really good job, um, I thought, and she has a very strong chin, little dimple. <laughs> and it, um, yeah, that's Lust for a Vampire from 1971. All Leonard, right. Which film did you watch? <laughs> I watched Twins of Evil. The um the loosest of loose adaptations, um, so loose in fact that it is nearly unrecognizable as being related to Carmilla, um, starring uh, uh, our good our good anthropomorphized vulture Peter Cushing making his return yet again. I will never get over that Frankenstein Peter Cushing vulture caricature. <laughs> caricature. Um, um, and this is the story of orphaned fr- uh, orphaned friends, orphaned twins, Maria and Freda, um, identical twins um, who move from Venice to Karnstein. As you to do. live with, yep, to live with their uncle Gustav Weil, um, played by Peter Cushing, who is. Um, basically playing uh, Cloud Frodo from The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, I I um I caught about twenty minutes of this film before I had the chance. I just didn't have a chance to finish watching it, and just from that first chunk of film, um, yeah, I, I was able to watch up to the resurrection of um Carmilla and maybe a little bit a little bit after. But uh, mm-hmm. this may be my most despised Peter. Like I did not like him movie yes all. he is horrendous it could be a good job but he's this is like the worst dude he's been yeah he's, he's worse than baron frankenstein yeah uh yep big huge religious fundamentalist um going around burning witches because uh because because that's what Cause, you do because ladies can't live alone or have yep. their own jobs <laughs> Uh, so, uh, the twins move and they're, 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 they're rich girls. They're, uh, upset about having to, to move to this podunk town. Um, and, and their uncle's not great because he just goes around burning people all of the time, all of the time. Uh, and by people, I mean women, really, it seems to be exclusively women. Um, so Freda, um, uh, looking for some adventure, becomes uh, infatuated with the local Count Karnstein, uh, who, who has a reputation of being a wicked man. And by a wicked man, he's just a ladies' man. Yep, that's wicked. Um, uh, Karnstein uh, um, is apparently a, uh, a patron of the emperor. He has a, a fair amount of leeway uh, because he has the um, em- uh, uh, emperor's blessing and thus remains untouched by the um, by our good old Peter Cushing's uh, uh, court of, of <laughs> inquisition known as the Brotherhood. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but surprise, Karnstein is in fact evil and super into Satanism and black magic. Um, so he tries to 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 um, look into his ancestral heritage, 
and then uh, murders a girl for human sacrifice and resurrects uh, Countess Mercola Konstein from her uh, grave. And she immediately turns him into a vampire. Because um, yeah. you need to kick it off. Uh, Frida is super um, into the count and leaves late at night. Um, and then <laughs> and then gets turned into a vampire. Um, there's also a... Um, I forget. Do we get introduced to the uh, the school teacher, the choir teacher at this point? Uh, it would have had to have been a little bit after that because I... I oh, saw, that's right. Yes. I saw, I saw only to where she was going to go to the castle. Um, I did. Ah. Let's, let's go back slightly to the scene when um, the the Count Karnstein is going to do the the ritual uh-huh. because I thought it was it was pretty funny. Um, he's he's into the occult arts, but he's kind of like playing at it. It's not. Yeah. It's not. It's it's like it's just a whim. It's, it's yeah. It's rich boredom. Yeah, he has his butler or his his cronies like performing stuff they think is they're like fake doing rituals, right? Like badly, but they're trying mm-hmm. so hard to like appease him. So <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. It's, yeah they're doing yes. like a heavy metal version of <laughs> like an, uh, a, a, a satanic rite. Right, it's and, it's performative. Yeah, it's performative art where they're like they're totally not going to actually stab anybody. It's, they're doing everything they can up to the point of actually like sacrificing somebody. Right, and he is just not having it. He's <laughs> like, get, he's, he's like, he's like, get out! You guys aren't even doing it right. He's like, yeah. I'm gonna do it, and I think that he didn't. Like, he's gonna do it, but at the same time, I don't think he thought it through very well. Mm-hmm. He's just like, and I stab you, and he's like, okay, now the the devil give me power, and then nothing happens, and he's just like, oh, okay, I didn't, I guess it wasn't gonna work. He's like, did you just murder somebody just for like giggles? Like you just were just yep. playing around, and you know, may, if it worked, great, but if if not, oh well. Um, so the the re- he wasn't even aiming to resurrect anybody. He didn't realize, I don't think that the slab he was using for the sacrifice altar was actually the tomb of Carmilla because it's yeah. like hidden underneath sort of. And the, the, the blood accidentally runs down some cracks and goes into um, to Carmilla's mouth or face or something. Right. But, and then, and, and then she, she gets she, up. She's good. Yeah. She, she literally, she literally, uh, but she teleports, um, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She becomes like, like, uh, like, yeah, she, she, she fart, fart clouds out of the coffin and then corporealizes and then bites the cow. Yeah. But they make out first and it's super weird because they're related. Yep. I'm just like, I don't know if, okay. Cause it made it seem like that was part of the how you turn someone into a vampire. Yeah. You got to make out with them first. That's that's the new lore for Carmilla. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, so move on to I guess the, uh, the school teacher. Uh, yes. Uh, anyway, um, well, Frida, uh, she's she, she's a vampire now, and she's super into it. Um. Uh, and then uh, Frida gets home 
threatens Maria because you know that's right. It's a twin situation. So yeah. they, they, be they've been having arguments over um, all the, sorts the, of things over everything. Um, they yeah. see, they see eye to eye on like fashion, and that's kind of it. Yeah, yeah, they see eye to eye on making everybody's life miserable by dressing exactly the same all of the time. Like, stop, like, don't do that. Stop doing that. Don't, don't, don't dress your twins up the same. Don't encourage that. It's really weird and not good psychologically. Yeah, and they're not, oh they're, they're not children. They're like, yeah, they're like they're, in, they're like twenty four. Yeah, they're, but I don't think in the story they are. I think they're young. No, they're not. But they are clearly twenty four. They're they're, they're yes. <laughs> um. Uh. So yeah. Uh. Uh. Freya wants Maria to keep covering for for her because she's like I'm going back to that count castle. Um. Um. But she back. also. <laughs> But she's also really afraid that the the count, uh, or not that not the count, but that she might bite her sister because you know, even though she's super into all this kind of evil vampire stuff going on, she still loves her sister, and that's that's kind of kind of sweet. Um, but ultimately, Maria becomes uh, interested in the handsome young teacher Anton. Uh, who, of course, is super into Freya because she's mysterious, but I guess eventually learns to settle on an identical twin. It's so it's this, uh, I love when when stories have the 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 twin situation and there's the character that's like, no, I don't want th that one. I want that one. <laughs> even though they seem to be almost entirely identical. It's just the personality, which I suppose. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Anton, uh, Anton's like, yeah, all this is super not into Peter Cushing because he's like, dude, what? You like, you're, you're murdering people uh, for, for superstition Peter Cushing's like, God, 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 and leaves the scene. Um, and then uh, and then Peter Cushing gets to be really smug because he, uh, Anton's uh, uh, doing a choir lesson for all of the young women that attend the school. Uh, and Peter Cushing arrives with the Brotherhood and a corpse uh, that uh, he just kind of drops on the floor and pulls the sheet back. And it's Anton's sister who has super been bitten by a vampire and, and drained. Um, uh, um, so uh, Freya is, is, is going around doing her, doing her vampire business and, and murders a guy, uh, murders one of the brotherhood right outside of the brotherhood compound <laughs> and then seems really surprised when she's immediately caught by the brotherhood <laughs> um and so uh peter cushing's like yep that's that's a shame i'm still gonna kill you also i need to check and make sure that your sister is is uh isn't a vampire oh and by the way 
this is the part where I name drop the movie and he, he actually says they're twins of evil. Just uh, like, yep, okay. There yeah, we but go. One of them's not evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Unless unless evil is wearing fashion. fashion yes, well, you know. you know, given his character, it's not entirely. It's not out of, it's, it's, it's actually fully within the realm of possibility, considering exactly. he wanted them to be the morning the colors of mourning for their parents for like, I don't, I don't know, years. Right. Uh, like, it's like two months, two months is not enough. <laughs> Get it. Yeah. Put on your morning clothes. Uh, meanwhile, at the count, at the castle, uh, the count uh, learns of Freya's uh, imprisonment and um, <laughs> uh, goes with one of his servants and kidnaps Maria, and then does the the cup switch, and and exchanges Maria for Freya in the jail, and leaves Freya to be burned by her uncle, uh, because, yep, that's that's how you do it. Uh, Anton goes uh, to see Maria. Big air quotes. Um, she, uh, immediately tries to seduce him, which should have been the number one red flag, but, um, he's, he's kind of into it until he realizes that, uh, she doesn't have a reflection in the mirror. Um, that's, that good old vampire trope is back and it's used a lot in this movie, uh, to varying (laughs) degrees of effectiveness, there's one really ambitious shot where there's uh, a candle in front of the mirror and it is incredibly obvious that it is two candles just on opposite sides of what looks like a mirror because the wind is just blowing one of them wildly different than the one (laughs) that is the real one. Um, So, uh, uh, Freya's like, haha, I'm going to I'm going to bite you now. And he uh they have a wrestling contest. Uh this is where like some some more unnecessary nudity comes into play in this film. This one uh the twins are are, are former Playboy playmates, uh so uh you can imagine that they they do that quite a bit. Um but not as it's not as exploitive as it could have been. So just, I, I think that's that. the same for all all three of these movies. Like they they kept it. I, don't, I can't even say reasonable, but it's at a certain level, right? Um, and so, um, he fights her off. He throws a he throws a crucifix on on the palm of her, her like left hand and she's so debilitated by the burning that he's able to escape and she has to kind of like slap it off with her other hand it's actually kind of a really funny (laughs) sequence um anyway uh anton rushes and saves uh maria from burning uh maria uh anton uh has another cross which he uses to prove uh that 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 she's not a vampire she kisses it uh and then uh peter cushing's like well okay i guess i was wrong 
we should go kill Karnstein. <laughs> and the the two men lead the Brotherhood and the villagers to the castle to 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 fight Karnstein. Um, the Count and Freya attempt to escape. Oh man, this is this is actually kind of the best part of the movie. Uh, uh, the Count, uh, they're like trying to sneak out of a back exit. The Count sends Freya out first and she's like, oh yeah, it seems good. And Peter Cushing just kind of appears like Jason Voorhees and <laughs> immediately cuts off her head. And... <laughs> Konstein is like, ah, and slams the door immediately because he didn't actually come out. He's just like, oh, no. And it's it's really, really kind of amusing. And then and Peter Cushing just takes the head away. Um, <laughs> uh, Maria's once again captured by the Count, um, who used, uh, and he uses her as a human shield. Uh, uh, Whale, Peter Cushing, uh, tries to decapitate him with an axe, um, but misses um, <laughs> really, really badly. Um, uh, the Count uses the axe on Whale, hitting him in the spine, <laughs> throws him off the landing, and um, kills him. Uh, but Anton, being the smart, educated, non-superstitious man that he is, uh, seizes the opportunity and uh, stakes the count with a spear, like he javelin tosses a spear into the count's chest, um, and then uh, rushes to Maria, who is, of course, fine, and then we get the, uh, the slow uh, beef jerky uh, transformation from uh, man into vampire skeleton roll credits. So what happened to Carmilla? Carmilla? <laughs> I'm actually kind of drawing a blank on what happens to Carmilla. Uh, let's see. Did um, she just like stop showing up? <laughs> I think she does actually just like just goes away at a certain <laughs> point. That's what it that's really what it feels like. Um yeah, what you know what? I'm I'm curious because I literally just watched it uh, twice, in fact, and Carmilla just yeah, just kind of goes away. Hmm. She, she yeah. lives to fight another day. I think I think it I think what literally happened is that she 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 shows up, she turns the count into a vampire and then just leaves, just leaves the movie to like she's, she's busy doing her her Carmilla stuff somewhere else. Yeah, that's what it actually feels like. Wow, that's really crazy that I never even considered that. Um because yeah, she just yeah she just disappears. She just leaves. She just leaves the movie. 
She's a plot. She's a plot device. She's she's a weird, wacky plot vampire creating plot device, and then she's out of the movie. She, she oh. has so much agency in this one. She's just like not gonna be there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, her her agency is so great that she left the film because she was like, mm, it's like I keep, getting, really I keep feeling... getting killed. I'm gonna go do something somewhere else. Also, not really feeling this group of people because you were like doing an, uh, a performance art piece and accidentally woke me up. So I'm just gonna... <laughs> just it gonna wasn't even out. on purpose. <laughs> yeah. You guys aren't taking this seriously enough. Oh man, I guess I wasn't wrong when I said this one was the loosest of the adaptations because she's not even in it. <laughs> but for a minute. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's Twins of Evil. It is It is barely related to the actual Carmela mythos. Yes. So that's four, five, five instances of Carmela. Yes. Um, we're probably we're probably done with Carmela. <laughs> yeah, I think we've covered what we need, what we need to do. Um, it is nice that there's slightly different um, sort of I guess discrepancies or depictions of her um, between these films, even though this is and this in particular was supposed to be a trilogy. Actually, I think there was there was intended to be another film, um, but it, it did not come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there were. They were neat. Uh, I did. I purchased the first one, so I do. I will eventually watch that, um, and then I'll finish up Tons of Evil, just because I, <laughs> I watched a good chunk of it, and I'm invested in watching the rest of it. Yeah, um, I did enjoy them. Um, they're interesting, and as far as what their their depictions of vampires don't really uh, conflate, I guess, with the Count Dracula, the Dracula mythos. Right, um, but Carmilla isn't in, influential enough in her own right. She shows up in like dozens of other media. Um, yep. I think most recently, um, she was a character. She, she appears again in the um, Castlevania uh, TV series. She was in the second yes. season, and probably the best character actually, um, aside from the main, the main trio. Yes, well, and she gets away. And, and she did not. Yes, she does. And, and 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 Dracula, sad, depressed Dracula's and sad, sad boy good. Dracula. Yeah, everywhere it's pretty good. It's a good series. We we had meant to cover it, and that just kind of fell to the wayside. So we'll yep. see, maybe in the future. But it, but it c- continues to exist. So it continues we'll to exist. And we will eventually cover it. We'll, we'll come back around to it when we get back to vampires in the uh, lexicon of horror creatures. <laughs> Roll back around like a yokai. Yeah, I think that that's it for this episode. Um, as we, Cameron bowed out, so we'll we'll also say goodbye for him. He'll be back yes. next time. Um, Leonard, where can folks find you on the interwebs? Should they be looking? Uh, yes, people can find me on Twitter at Doctor Faust is dead. People can also find me on you. Also, uh, uh, at Doctor Faust is dead. Uh, I have zero plans for any new videos at the just kind of jumping between writing scripts on different things. Um, so nothing set in stone. I will be working on something 
eventually i just need to i need i need my 40 years of rest after <laughs> after all the time working on that last video um uh, which people seem to like so that's that's nice um dave where can people find you on the interwebs you can find me on uh twitter on sin at on on twitter at sentinel underscore plus uh and cameron also is there as um night underscore twitten and that's night without a k um and then the website in general uh, monsterdearmonster.com uh you can comment on the episodes there or we are on itunes um drop us a review that would be great we have very few and we could use the input to further improve the show yes um, we will we'll be back in two weeks this time so there, okay. <laughs> there, will, there will not be a mdm episode next week um so that that pushes back a little bit of the melvinus therapy but we'll be back um, yes october i guess uh we'll see so uh as regarding what the topic for the next episode is i do not know it is up in the air if you guys have something you'd like us to cover um let us know um either through twitter or an email Yes. And uh, yeah, with that, we will talk to you later. Bye-bye. Goodbye, everyone. Uh-huh.